Hi, I'm Larry Correa, author of In Defense of the Second Amendment, and you are listening to the Dr. Sky Experience on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the most impressive radio show that you're going to be hearing in quite a while. We call it the Dr. Sky Experience here on Talk Radio 77, WABC, the crown jewel of radio, ladies and gentlemen, and today a very, very special guest. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, just a little background of the Dr. Sky Experience here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. As we mentioned before, we call it the crown jewel of radio, the iconic talk radio station, 77 WABC. Many times we talk about, of course, the main mantra of the show is the subject matter of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. But we also delve deeply into American exceptionalism. And as John Katsimatidis on his very popular nighttime Cats at Night radio show says, truth, justice, and the American way is what we also talk about here with exceptional guests. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we do indeed have another one of those. We'll be talking about the crisis going on today with the Second Amendment. And who other that can speak best about it is a brand new book by Larry Correa, this particular book by Regnery Press. It's entitled In Defense of the Second Amendment, and a little background on this particular book is in order. What part of the Second Amendment don't you understand? That's the question posed by award-winning New York Times best-selling author and professional firearms instructor Larry Correa. Drawing on his practical experience as the owner of a high-end gun store, catering to both law enforcement and private gun owners, he's a competitive shooter and a self-defense trainer. Correa blasts apart the emotion-laden, logic-free rhetoric of the gun control fanatics who turn every mass shooting into an occasion for violating your rights and abusing the Constitution while doing nothing to fight crime. A little bit of background on our special guest is in order, too. Larry Correa, as mentioned, is a best-selling novelist, famous for his Monster Hunter series, is a popular blogger who writes frequently about Second Amendment rights. His famous essay, An Opinion on Gun Control, was an Internet sensation with more than a million reads, and he has written for national publications on gun laws and self-defense, and he proudly lives with his family in Utah. Larry Correa, welcome to the Dr. Sky Experience here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, I really appreciate this. You know, we both have something in common, and I want to share this with the audience. This interview is not about me. It's about you. But for the people who don't know my background myself, I'm a licensed firearm instructor, been involved in the firearms industry for a long time. Spent a little time in the law enforcement world with the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office for some 22 years in their QAP program, which is the Armed Posse program, and also spending a lot of time talking at different gun shows and, of course, spending time in the firearm industry. But, Larry, it's all about you now for the rest of the show. In defense of the Second Amendment, talk about this because this is your first book on this particular subject, or, or tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a novelist by trade. That's what I do. I've written uh, 25 uh, books, uh, mostly uh, science fiction, fantasy, thrillers. Uh, I'm a pretty successful author. But before I became a writer, I was in the gun business, and I was a firearms instructor like yourself. I was a concealed weapons instructor. I was a machine gun store owner. I actually was what's called an SOT, 
yeah. <laughs> Title Seven. That's uh, someone who's can manufacture machine guns and suppressors. Uh, I did that for a long time. I worked in various capacities in the gun industry, and I was a defense contractor um, on the finance side, not you know cool stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, so that's my background. And uh, then I got into the writing, and that took off, and I was very, very successful. Uh, many years later, uh, Regnery was looking at putting out a uh, book about the Second Amendment in defense of it. And it was uh, due to the Bruin Supreme Court decision, which was looming. And they said, who do we know who's a really good writer who can talk to regular people? Uh, we don't want to book this academic. We don't want to book this, you know, for statisticians. We want to be able to just, you know, tell a story and talk to people and talk to what the Second Amendment means and why it's important. Who do we know who's a good writer who uh, is also a gun guy and really knows his stuff? And one of the editors had worked on some of my thrillers and my science fiction. And uh, he said, I know a guy. I, this guy eats, sleeps, lives and breathes guns for 30 years. And he's a writer. And so they, uh, they wow. asked me if I would do this. I was super happy to, to be given the opportunity. I, I'm a huge believer in uh, self-defense, uh, armed self-defense. I'm a huge believer in the Second Amendment. And uh, for me, it was a great opportunity. And so I was super excited to take it. And the book has just come out, and it's doing phenomenal. And people are very excited. And my goal is just kind of to, to move the needle and, and help on this debate and, and reach out to people who might be on the fence. Uh, and also people who are already on my side, I want to arm them with facts and uh, help them articulate good arguments. To, everybody's got somebody in their life that they, that they can sway. And, Absolutely. And Absolutely, Larry. And it's great to have you here on the Dr. Sky Experience here. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, proudly to be here around the nation and around the world, and even maybe around the universe on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Our producer here is Richard Dugan, and we thank him for his talents in making this particular episode available. Larry, let's go back to something that you and I know pretty much by heart, but the folks out there, I think they should really take a look at the words that are behind the Second Amendment, those 27 sacred words, and here we go again. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, that's something that we hear, but Larry, in your book, let's start off from the basics, because so many people out there they may be a first-time firearm purchaser, or how about this, in various parts of the nation, or maybe even around the world, there are people that are totally denied their rights, and you don't have to live in a far-off land to be denied your firearm rights. Let's zoom in on the home of Talk Radio 77, WABC out of New York City. And apropos, of course, let's talk about this Supreme Court decision that happened back in June, and let's go into it a little more. The New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Talk to us about what this is, what the problem was before, and what the Supreme Court decided. Um, well, basically, uh, what we're looking at is there was two, or three types of concealed carry laws in America. And uh, there was what's called uh, constitutional carry, where you could carry a gun. Uh, if you were a law-abiding citizen, you were good to go. You didn't need to go through any process. And uh, those states, very common. Uh, we're 25 states that have that now. Then there was what's called... Uh, shall issue, and that was the state would give you a concealed weapons permit if you were a law-abiding citizen and you applied. They would give it to pretty much everybody who met the basic criteria. Then there was what's called May issue, and that was states like New York, uh, California. And these were states that have extreme restrictions upon who was allowed to have guns and uh, who was allowed to carry guns in public. And what those almost always turned into were um, 
very bigoted schemes where usually there were it was pay to play. So if you were rich and politically connected, you could get a concealed weapons permit. But if you were just a regular guy with a regular job, you were out of luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also seen where these were racist, where the local because it's up to the, the locals on whether they uh, would issue these permits or not, and uh, they would be straight up bigoted. If there was somebody who came in from a demographic they didn't care for, no permit for you. And if it was somebody they liked, they'd give them a permit. So it was a a horrible system, ripe for abuse, ripe for cronyism, uh, ripe for bribery. Uh, This is not New York, but Santa Clara, California got busted where they were just basically selling these to the highest bidder. So the only people in that particular county that could get a permit were tech company executives from Silicon Valley, Mm-hmm. And I think some NBA players. Right, and uh, some nepotism in, involved in there, obviously, too. I mean, if you know somebody, and that's a disgrace because you and I both as instructors, you know, we put our time into this. And, and I really enjoy this book, and I want people to get it because you go into this and talk about so many aspects. I call it the common sense guide to gun ownership, too. And really, I don't know if anybody's ever thrown those words directly at you, but I am taking the liberty in this particular interview. I've read the book from front to back. A little more than 200 pages, ladies and gentlemen, but a fun read, and most important, what, Larry, an informative read, and I I see where it's basically geared to. It's not just geared to the, you know, the person who's an expert marksman or somebody who does, like, IPSC shooting. It's geared to people who may be venturing down the path of saying, hey, what, the world's not a safe place, and do I have options? And You bring about ways to do that, so this is a great story here, but let's conclude a little bit more. I mean, there's so much time to talk about this the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. So let's say people who are listening to this particular podcast on the Dr. Sky Experience, they're going, hey, wait a minute, you know, you guys are out in the West, you have all these gun rights. What is now going to happen here since this was overturned? So what is it basically saying? The law required a license to carry in public. But now, what does that mean for people who want to go get a concealed carry permit? It's still not going to be easy from what I hear. Yeah, so keeping it, I'm trying to keep it simple here because I'm not a lawyer. No, I understand. uh, Yeah, so the Supreme Court came in and said, you can't do that. You can't have these Mm -hmm. tiers of rights. You can't do that. You have to come up with the, you have to come up with the laws that are fair and equitable to people. There's a bunch of other stuff in this decision that's huge. It reaffirms the meaning of the Second Amendment um, that we get into in the book quite a bit. It reaffirms that why we have it is so that we can defend ourselves. And the state just can't take that away willy-nilly. So what's happened is all these states that uh, this is a, are affected by this have to come up with new laws. Well, what they're doing is they're coming up with laws that are even worse. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out in court. Uh, like New York State then came up with a new law. And their first proposed new law was the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Where now to see if you were worthy to have your rights, they were going to go on social media and and like read your Facebook page to see if you had good character. Sure, <laughs> you know, just insane. I'm sure if you voted wrong, you have bad character. <laughs> I guess um, you're right on that one, my friend. There you go. That's a simple but, uh, one to figure out. Yeah, so they're they're they're, uh, they're they're proposing new laws, and uh, they are equally ridiculous. So these are all going to be going to court. Uh, I haven't seen what the final one for New York is, but uh, Maryland just uh, unveiled theirs a couple days ago, and it's the worst thing you've ever seen. And basically, concealed carry is banned literally everywhere and a hundred feet from everywhere. So you couldn't go any place in the state uh, without without violating the law. Um, you couldn't travel down a street without being within a hundred feet of all the places that it's banned. You you couldn't buy a gun and take it home. 
without breaking this law. Absolutely. Uh, I want to make this clear, too, Larry. Excuse me for jumping in. I want to make it very clear. Nothing in your book is an advocate that says, hey, folks, you're an advocate for self-defense. But you're not sitting here saying, you must go out and get a firearm because that's the only way to defend yourself. You're, You're exploring these options in this rather detailed book. But let's start off from the very basics here, and I want to get back to a couple of more of these Supreme Court cases. What's the main theme of your book that you can just tell us in this uh, Dr. Sky Experience interview today so that people would be encouraged to want to go out and uh, get a copy of it and read the details? Oh, sure. I would say that self-defense is a human right. Um, It's not mandatory. Having a firearm is not for everyone. If uh, psychologically or emotionally, for whatever reason, somebody doesn't want to be armed, that's fine. That is their decision, and I, I don't think anybody should be forced. However, we're not you, and so just mm-hmm. stop uh, trying to stop other people from exercising their rights. Everybody's different. We've all got different sure. levels of knowledge, commitment, uh, education, training. Let people make their own decisions, and most people make good ones. We've seen the vast majority of the country now uh, is pretty darn good at letting people exercise their Second Amendment rights. Uh, most states, uh, over half now, have con- constitutional carry, and we're fine. Um, so the yes. doom scenarios that these people keep bringing up, the panic, the, the, the terror, that doesn't really apply. Um, and this goes into not just carrying guns, but having guns at home for defense. I get into the, the actual meaning of the Second Amendment. It's for defense up to and including uh, against our own tyrannical government. And, uh, you know, I, I go there. I, I talk about all these laws. You sure do. And... Um, so I would say the main theme is that the Second Amendment is a human right intended for all people if they wish to exercise it. You know, I just want to jump on a subject here that's kind of a little bit unnerving to myself. You see the legacy media, and I don't think you and I would have a dispute on this, and maybe many people out there are just so fed up that the whole story of firearms is never really presented right. And what you go into is that you've even offered what? Opportunities. This is interesting, folks. You've offered opportunities for individual people in the media to actually come and take a firearm training class. And if I'm paraphrasing this, or I guess the basic assumption here is, from what I read, is that nobody took you up on that offer at all. So how can somebody speak and bloviate about a topic if they certainly don't know the truth and really the reality? It's It's like having a car, and in other words, to drive that vehicle, say it's a race car. You've all, oh, they're so dangerous, these cars that go so fast. Well, you're offering a driving course in how to approve your driving skills so you can manage that driving experience with that type of vehicle, right? Yep. Back when I, back when I owned a gun store, we had uh, a simulator. So it was one of those things mm-hmm. where it would broadcast like a giant TV screen uh, on yep. the wall, but it would put up a scenario and you'd be there armed with a gun that actually had a laser in it that would record your hits. And sure. we would run people through shoot and don't shoot scenarios, use of force scenarios, uh, law enforcement scenarios. Uh, and it was like, you know, very realistic events and you had to make decisions. And then the, the simulation would play out based upon the decisions you made, whether you shot, whether you talked to them, whatever. And so I had this marvelous training tool and uh, I, I had an offer to anybody who was in the news media. Uh, if you would like to come and use this and go through some of these scenarios, especially when they would talk about shootings where uh, a citizen has shot a criminal or a uh, police officer had shot somebody. I, right. I probably had a scenario that was very similar to that that I could run them through so they could get you know, a feeling for that and, and understand what was going on. No one ever took me up on it. Not you know, that's, that's amazing, uh, Larry, because, you know, again, I, it really gets me a little upset. I mean, I'm going to be calm here in this interview because people, I want them to experience you. 
and learn so much about why they can move toward this as an open-minded thing. Open your minds, folks. You know, you don't have to carry a firearm, but at least have knowledge of the components, how it works, because what do we teach, Larry, in our classes? Side alignment and trigger squeeze, two most fundamental shooting, you know, situations as, as far as when you're handling a firearm, but I'd rather you go down this path. So let's say this way, somebody, what they can learn from your book, if they're kind of saying, well, you know, I really don't know if I want to do that, and you know, I really kind of think I may would like to also look at the possibility of buying a firearm for personal protection. What's Larry Correa's suggestion and, and some of the information? They can get the book and read the details, but just in this interview, some basics that you'd recommend. Well, I, I walk people through the process. Uh, I mean, in the book, I do go through this in more detail, but basically, um, you need to find a place to get, get some basic knowledge and training. Your local gun stores are often a great place to start, but, you know, those are going to vary in quality depending on who owns them and how smart they are and how educated they are. But you owe it to yourself to seek out training. Your local ranges will have instructors. uh, They'll have advertisements for instructors. Do some research first. Just look them up on the Internet, see what their reputation is, and start seeking out education. There's a lot of free education out there. Uh, As much as the NRA gets attacked and vilified, uh, most of what the NRA's mission is is actually education, not legislation. Right. Um, And so there's a lot of things out there, resources for basic safety training. Uh, I go into this book, too, about, you know, storing guns and and how to do it around your family. And everybody's different. We all have a different situation. That's why the whenever the law mandates you have to store guns a certain way, it's going to fall apart because we all have a different household. We have different family members situation. There is no one size fits all. So, you know, if, if you're an intelligent adult, you just need to come at this in a way that you learn, uh, check your pride at the door. You don't know everything. Everybody, you know, we're all new when we come into this and uh, just kind of learn, learn where you can go. And I, I provide a bunch of resources of uh, different places. You can seek out information and, and good information. Um, I mean, there's actually uh, various places online where you can get good information. And then there's nothing surpasses in-person training where you have a coach and somebody educated who can walk you through how to actually use this stuff effectively. Yes. Uh, people who, who just buy a gun and think, okay, good, I'm good. I have a gun. Now I'm going to load it and stick it in my sock drawer and then I can just use it in mm-hmm. a case of emergency. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, you're setting yourself up for failure. You need to know what you're doing. But thankfully, there are a lot of good resources out there. Well, Larry, this is an exciting time with you. You're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience. We're here on Talk Radio 77, WABC out of New York, around the nation, around the world, and maybe even what, Larry, around the universe. We call this radio station, and rightfully so, the crown jewel of radio, the iconic Talk Radio 77, WABC. Normally, our format consists of subject matters in the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. But since you and I are so pro-Second Amendment and so much involved in it, I thought today that we'd kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about what we call the category of American exceptionalism and our freedoms. And just like John Katsimatidis, the owner of WABC Talk Radio 77 and his great popular show Cats at Night, they stand for what? Truth, justice, and the American way. And so do we on the Dr. Sky Experience. Larry, I wanted to uh, remind everybody, the book is entitled In Defense of the Second Amendment. Get it where all good books are sold. It just came out, what, recently from Regnery Press. And again, an honor to have you here. But I wanted to have you explain a little bit more about some of these particular cases in the Supreme Court. The Heller case back in 2008, I had a lot of personal experience in that. But if you don't mind sharing with the audience just the basics, I mean, what does that mean? 
And why is it so important for people who like and love the Second Amendment? Um, that one was where the basically Washington, D.C. had these extremely onerous rules about how you could possess your firearms. Uh, and, and who was allowed to have them. And I'm not, I'm not talking about carrying the guns because Washington, D.C. didn't allow us. I'm oh, talking about absolutely. owning them, just, just having a gun in your home. They had rules uh, like that you had to keep it disassembled or unattainable. So should you need one in an emergency, you're just out of luck. Clearly, criminals don't care about that. Um, but one of the most important things that came out of that case was the Supreme Court reaffirmed the original meaning of the Second Amendment, which... Most reasonable Americans have always believed is that the Second Amendment is for you to be able to defend yourself, and it should not ban uh, common and useful firearms. Uh, you, you cannot just take away things that are common and useful to the regular people. And part of that too is the original Second Amendment was if if uh, the weapon had was of use to the militia, then it is of use to the citizen, and you can't ban it. Uh, and which is interesting because the, the way that the anti-gun people come at it is they come at it from the exact opposite direction and say, well, if exactly. it's useful for the military, then you can't have it. No, that's the opposite of what the Constitution specifies. That's the opposite of what the Second Amendment is about, and the Supreme Court reaffirmed that. Um, so the Heller decision was actually the first decision uh, of, of our modern times that really uh, started us down this road where it opened up a lot of lawsuits around the country against state gun laws. Uh, where they were basically taking away weapons that were common, useful, uh, valuable for self-defense. And the Bruin uh, goes back to that and, and reinforces that. And sure. That's really where the common part comes from. And that's, in layman's terms, it's the Supreme Court saying that, yes, America, Americans, law-abiding citizens in America, have the right to have firearms available to them in order to defend themselves, and they're specifically the kind of firearms that are useful for defense. Well, Larry, I have an interesting kind of sideline to this. My own experience with Heller is kind of a short and informative, maybe even a humorous story. We had him at the radio show I was doing at the time called A Call to Rights at the NRA convention there in Phoenix. So lo and behold, the good folks that were working with me, we set up an interview to have Heller, obviously the namesake of this particular Supreme Court case, there in person. And we sat down and we were talking to him. And boy, did we have a crowd around that booth. And I'm not exaggerating, not because of me. We probably had maybe three or 400 people, you know, standing around like one of these shot show kind of booths. But the reason I'm telling you that is we, at a time I was working with a rifle company, we made sure that we gave a rifle to him in honor of the Second Amendment and had it engraved. Well, lo and behold, the person who engraved it, not our company, spelled amendment wrong. So as we're giving the rifle over in this big ceremony, this guy with a cowboy hat runs over, and it's none other than Ted Nugent. And he's yelling and screaming, going, don't you give that rifle yet. He goes, I want to give it upstairs at the big convention side. But the interesting part about that story is, though we were celebrating this amendment and this you know, Supreme Court case, how about that? A little thing gone wrong. Got to get that word amendment spell right. I thought that was kind of amazing, don't you think? <laughs> that was crazy. Nothing like when an engraver messes up, you know, it's like it's hard to do a typo on steel. <laughs> Absolutely. But let's get back to you. Let's talk more about some of these other Supreme Court cases. The U.S. versus McDermott, the city that is of Chicago, that particular case, McDermott versus the city of Chicago. I'm understood that it means something like this. The Second Amendment is protected under the 14th Amendment and states' rights. So you want to elaborate more on that? I mean, that was an interesting decision in 2010 
uh, kind of uh, was not as what I, it's popular, but it wasn't given the uh, big headline that the Heller case was. No, it's actually interesting because there's a couple that, that reinforce the, the, the aspect of, of individual and state rights for the second amendment with that being one of them. And there's also another recent one that, uh, it actually came out the same time as Bruin. I'll talk about that one in a second. Sure. Um, but basically the, the, this, Supreme Court, as constituted over the last decade, has has reinforced that the Second Amendment is a a American human individual right. Whereas the other anti gun side tries to keep framing it as like a collective right, uh, which is a, an idea that's anathema to everything in the Constitution. It's the opposite of everything the framers of the Constitution ever said. It, it's not an idea that's ever existed in American history, and none of the other amendments work that way. Yet, we're, but hmm. they, they come out, they, they have this collective right thing that, oh, it's only for the militia, and the militia means the National Guard. And that's not wow. the case. And, um, and, and so that is, that's one of those things where we, all, of, all of, not all of them, but many of our wins on the Second Amendment for the last or generation have been from the courts and the states, because legislatively, Congress and the Senate have been afraid to tackle this stuff exactly. uh, because they, they gave the media pressure. Uh, and even the pro-gun side, nom- the nominally pro-gun side, uh, tends to wilt uh, under pressure. Uh, there are some really good ones up there. I don't want to bag on everyone. Uh, then the other no, I understand. Say what? Oh, I understand. So the interesting thing is, moving forward here, I mean, the time allotted today, this is so precious to all of us and the listeners out there. And again, I appreciate your time. You had some of the thoughts on the Bruin uh, Supreme Court case. I wanted to hear a little bit more about that, because many of our people are listening, of course, primarily. Well, I'm sure they're listening all over the world, but Talk Radio 77 WABC has a long heritage and history uh, where they're beaming from New York City. So this affects people in New York City and New York State. What else would you like to add about the Bruin Supreme Court decision? Well, well, the two that came out of the same session was Bruin uh, versus New York State Rifle and Pistol, and also West Virginia versus EPA. And, and, and why that's related is very important in the last couple of weeks. Okay. Um, Bruin reaffirmed that the government have, could not just take away common and useful uh, weapons from people, and that we do, in fact, have a right to keep and bear arms. Very important. It, it shuts down their whole collective right argument, um, and it applies a standard that any gun law needs to obey that. And that to have a gun law, uh, you have to have a historical precedence from the early parts of the country's history that say that you have this ability to to infringe on these rights. Okay. Yes. Where West Virginia versus EPA comes in is the was the Supreme Court saying that federal agencies can't just make up laws. That's Congress's job. And this is specifically the EPA doing like uh, uh, environmental regulations. They're just making up rules. Right. They said, nope, that's not your job. That's Congress. So how this ties in is the ATF is the federal agency that administers gun laws, uh, federal gun laws, specifically the National Firearms Act is is where most of this is predicated on from 1934. Okay. Well, the ATF has a bad tendency to just do whatever it wants with no gun law attached. So Congress didn't pass a law. But Congress passed a law that's tangentially related, mm-hmm. but say it doesn't mention certain things. The ATF comes in later and says, well, uh, we're going to add those things. Congress never talked about that. Congress never passed a law, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to ban uh, bump stocks. We're going to ban mm-hmm. pistol braces. 
And uh, this is a big one that's just come out in the last couple of weeks. Uh, that oh, yeah, it's amazing. So, so in other words, the ruling does not, well, they can say it's a ruling, and it is a ruling if it goes in the federal registry. But Congress is the organization that has the power to create laws, not the ATF. So this is very interesting what we're going to get into now. And I know this is for the time allotted. I wanted to jump pretty much headstrong into this. People out there who have, let's say, AR-15 pistols and other, quote, short-barrel-type pistols, okay? Now what are we seeing, Larry? We're seeing that the what was considered a okay legal, maybe that's not even the right word, but they were okay with this device called a brace. Now they're changing the whole classification and definition of a rifle. And what kind of a headstorm, uh, you know, what kind of a storm are we headed into with this? This is very confusing Tell us in simple words what's going on. Yeah, it's really bad. So they dropped it on the Friday afternoon before a three-day weekend, uh, before the Martin Luther King uh, Day. They Friday late, close of business, they dropped 293-page ruling. Wow. And um, it's gibberish. I, speaking as a professional writer, as a professional editor, it's mm-hmm. painful. And I've read it a couple times now, and I'm still confused. But what it is is they took something that has been perfectly legal, and Americans have been buying in mass quantities, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for 10 years, Americans could walk into any sporting goods store or gun show or local gun store, or whatever. You could buy these off of Amazon. And Americans were buying a certain thing called a pistol brace, which is basically just a, um, it's a brace you would mount onto the back of a, of a large pistol. It's like a balancing brace. That said, people right. could shoulder these. And yes, they could put it against their shoulder. But there was nothing in the law. Like I said, Congress has to pass law. And Congress never specified anything about that being illegal. There's no law against that, like real law. So the ATF for 10 years let us buy these until Americans had bought tens of millions. The ATF says there's 3 million in the country. That number is absolutely laughable because the gun industry, the people who actually manufacture these, we have, there's individual companies who are like, nope, we've made more than that. Oh, so yes. realistically, the estimates uh, from a nonpartisan uh, congressional observation group, I can't remember what it's called, um, they say there's up to 40 million of these in the U.S. Wow. Um, and I've seen numbers anywhere from 14 million to 40 million. ATF says 3 million, which is asinine. Um, but even if it was, was only 3 million, that's still millions of Americans who for 10 years have been owning something that's been perfectly legal, hasn't hurt anybody. And now the ATF has just come out and said, well, you have 120 days to register these with the government or you're a felon. That's a 10-year prison term. Uh, wow, that's really yeah. dangerous, Larry. I mean, think about that. I mean, let's say people, because of their busy schedules, you know, you know, excuses of the law, you know, is never a justifiable defense, ignorance of the law. But the point of the matter is so many people are really not paying attention to this. And if I'm correct, tell me if I'm right on this. The ATF is not going to charge you the traditional $200 tax stamp fee like, you know, I have on certain firearms that I have in my personal collection. And maybe you do. I don't know. I don't ask. But the thing is, what happens now, does this, is it officially from what you know as of this date of doing this particular podcast, January 24th, 2023, is it, to your knowledge, officially in the federal registry or it hasn't even gotten there yet? What what, what do you know? I am unsure. And I've actually, like I said, I'm not a lawyer and I've seen conflicting on that. So I actually, I I do not know. I've seen people some say, well, the ATF, it is valid. And it's now in the Federal Register, but I have not actually seen that confirmed anywhere. So I don't know if the 120 days has started. Um, I, I, so I actually, I'm not sure on that. I don't know if that's officially started or if that's about to start. Well, I got, a big question. I got a big question for you. Excuse me for jumping in again, because I'm full of passion on this one. 
If you filled out a Form 4 type process to go get your tax stamped gun, you know, whether it's a silencer, whether it's a short barrel rifle, machine gun, or what have you, and a lot of people don't even know that that's illegal, the question I'm asking you is it took a year and almost a year for me to get approved, not because I had any problems, and nor did you, if you have these. How are they going to handle 40 million of these transactions? And what are they going to do? I don't understand. It's insane. This is, this is the same government that, that spent billions and billions of dollars on the Obamacare website, and then it promptly crashed. Right. So the, the ATF is staring at everybody. It's like, okay, all you millions of people, you should go use the e-forms, uh, which is the ATF uh, online form mm-hmm. system. That thing crashes all the time. Uh, it, it never works anyway. It's always broken. And even if you do e-forms, it still takes three months, six months, nine months, sometimes a year. I have a friend that's like, like a year and nine months for his last transfer. Um, wow. And the ATF says, well, it's okay. Uh, just send us photographic evidence that you possess this thing that we're saying is a felony. Fill out this paperwork on our unreliable website and keep the receipt. And we promise that we won't come to your house and, and, and shoot you. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, That's pretty okay. scary, Larry. That sounds, that sounds comforting. Right. I have a lot of confidence about. in that. Of course not. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're so reliable. Um, but the thing I'm super worried about is um, people who are gun nuts, people who are like enthusiasts. We keep up on the news. We keep up on this stuff. You we're paying attention. We're not going to get caught on the worst. But, for example, when I was uh, preparing for this book release, I was in a marketing meeting with a bunch of publishing people. And um, they were talking about current events. I said, well, the ATF is going to drop their brace rules pretty soon. And uh, so I need to be prepared to talk about that. And uh, that's going to affect a lot of people. And then we just kind of moved on through the meeting because I didn't really was aware if any of these people were gun people or not. And this one woman stops me and she said, well, well, can we back up a second? What new ATF race rule? And I had to explain this to her. She didn't keep up with this, but she owned one of these. And she had just bought one. And uh, and because she went into a store and bought it, it was perfectly legal. So how would she know that the ATF has pulled this bait and switch and she's now in possession of a felony? If she hadn't been having a conversation with me about this book, for marketing purposes, she would have just had an illegal gun sitting in her closet. And, and you know, what happens in a couple of years that if she didn't register and the ATF, I mean, it's a 10-year prison sentence. You know, this is um, really outrageous here. And, you know, obviously Steve Dettelback, I guess, is the new ATF director as of July of this year, or last year, 2022. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are confused. That You know, I, I think a lot of Second Amendment fans out there are particularly outraged. And obviously, Larry, in a future interview, I'd like to follow up with you if you're so kind to do this. But in the short time we have left today, I wanted to cover a couple of outstanding things that people really need to know about. I teach this in our concealed carry permit classes here in Arizona. And I tell people that the federal gun-free zone is something out there that can be very problematic if you're not really knowledgeable about the law. But describe to us why gun-free zones, obviously, are more dangerous for law-abiding citizens And then I wanted to have you go on to talk a little bit. This is a subject we could do for hours on red flag laws. These are two things, don't you think, obviously, that are so important to firearm owners out there and also a death zone, in many people's opinions, when they have these gun-free school zones. Yeah, the the gun-free zone, uh, first off, it's just a hunting preserve for innocent people. We know for a fact, and and I go into this in great deal in the book, and and I look at a bunch of cases and look at the stats, the vast overwhelming majority of mass killings happen in places where guns are banned for regular people because criminals don't care. And we know that these guys that are on a, on a mission to kill as many people as possible are trying to make some kind of statement. They prefer gun-free zones because they have straight up told us in their manifestos that they do. 
Uh, we have cases where they said, I'm going to go shoot this place because I know that people aren't allowed to fight back. They're going to be disarmed. I could shoot more of them. And what happens is the only thing that stops a uh, mass killer is a violent response. That violent response can either be immediate from somebody who is present, or it's going to be when the cops come, and that could be five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. And during that time, the bad guy gets to work. And the media is complicit in this uh, because the media will then make them famous just like the one. And the media will talk about them and hold them up and put them on the cover of Rolling Stone. Um, so it's this sick cycle where these things happen in clumps where then the next disaffected loser is like, okay, I need to get a big body count so I can be famous too. And then where do they go? They go to schools. They go to uh, movie theaters that have a no guns allowed sign posted. They go to mm-hmm. the mall that says no guns allowed. And what stops these cases are violent response. That violent response could be a cop. It could be a regular person. And I, the, the gun banners, I always have to say, well, the good guy with a gun is a myth. Well, in this book, I have hundreds of these myths. I have hundreds of cases and examples, sure. and I link to places where you can find thousands of these, if people collect them, where individual citizens stopped somebody who was trying to do something horrible. They stopped them earlier. Um, and then red flags is, oh boy, that is, that is a whole other can of worms, because that is one of those newer ones. Uh, and it is a flawed idea. It's a logically flawed idea. Uh, and it's twofold. If you um, report somebody as being a danger to themselves and others and armed, and the judge stamps off and says, okay, this person's been red flagged, then the cops come and raid your house and take your guns away. Well, now, if you're innocent right. and you haven't done anything wrong, you have to spend hours in court and spending money on lawyers to get your rights back. Uh, and you can have these reports put on you by the worst people in the world. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, let's with, say this way. You could have a disgruntled spouse or something like that. I mean, oh, yeah. a girlfriend, a boyfriend. Um, I mean, it could reverse itself from the other side. It doesn't have to be just, you know, women being mad at men. It could be anybody. Uh, oh, that's that's abusive, what's so dangerous. Abusive stalkers. Uh, right. We've had a stalker. We've had stalkers call in red flags against their victims. Wow. So their victims would be disarmed. It's amazing, Larry. This is amazing stuff. But I want to remind everybody, the reason we're doing this interview today is because we honestly, wholeheartedly support the Second Amendment, both of us, not just the person on this end of the microphone that's just, you know, maybe maybe I'll read the book kind of thing. I'd read it from front to back, privileged and honored to call you a friend, and also a person who believes in the right of self-defense. The book from Regnery Press by Larry Correa, again, in defense of the Second Amendment, available where all good books are sold. You get the last word. We got about a minute or so, and uh, just appreciate your time, Larry, to talk about this. And you know, I just hope that we can get a better resolution on the brace issue and all the other things that are going down here. But people need to understand the Second Amendment is in place, and thank God it is that they're not looking any time. Well, maybe some people wanted to take it away, but not in our time. I don't think. At least we have the Supreme Court now, and hopefully, individuals that will realize the human right of self-defense is so important. So you get the last word. I would say I just I invite people to check this out. I hope it helps. Um, like I said, for, for people who are already on the side of guns and the Second Amendment, I hope to give you facts and a kind of a handy little reference guide that you can use in your arguments to try to sway your loved ones. Uh, and also for people who are on the fence, people who are thinking about it, but they haven't really made that decision. I just want to arm you guys with, with knowledge and, and then you decide for yourselves and it'll just get educated and, and, uh, and do the right thing. And I, I hope this helps. I hope you guys like it. 
Well, thank you, Larry. And I'm a little concerned about where this you know, nation is headed. You know, anyone who's trying to politicize or demonize these things, that's something you really have to pay attention to. And I just hope everybody through this particular interview at least has an open mind to at least look at some of the things that are happening and let them judge for themselves. But the vast majority of people that I talk to, Larry, from you know, all walks of life, they believe strongly in our country, in our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, and, of course, our Second Amendment rights. I want to thank you for joining us today. Please stay on the line here as we go to the break. Larry Correa, ladies and gentlemen, the author of this book, again, In Defense of the Second Amendment. Get it wherever, wherever good books are sold. You're listening to me, Dr. Sky, on the Dr. Sky Experience. Proud to be part of this particular radio station, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Out of New York, around the nation and around the world, and probably even out of the universe, we call it the crown jewel of radio, the iconic Talk Radio Station 77 WABC. We thank you for your time and... Well, we always say from the other side of the fence, always remember to keep your eyes to the skies. And what do we also say in this particular interview? We say it and we mean it, Larry. Always refuse to be a victim because a victim is simply someone with no options. Always what? Fight back legally and responsibly. And Larry, I think you would wholeheartedly agree with that statement, correct? I would, yes. Absolutely. Thank you, sir, for your time.